Yeah. I know heartbreaks, setbacks, bitch. If I crap out, I'm sure I'ma get back. I've been through the ups and downs, you know I get around. So to me, it's all a part of the game. If I ain't the cold man. Hey, what is up, everyone? This is Gary A. Swaby, and you are now listening to or watching the Powercast. And today we will be recapping Power Raising Canaan Season 2, Episode 7. And the title of the episode is No Love Lost. And I'm here with Mr. Richard Bailey Jr. How are you doing, Richard? Doing good, Gary. What's up, listeners and viewers? What's up, indeed? And uh, I, I see uh, we have Palomar's ex here. Uh, how, how old was you when, when you was messing with Palomar? Well, well, I was. I actually was the guy that she left to be with the younger guys. I don't think oh, okay. I'm that much of an older man, but to her, I'm I'm too old. So yeah, that's that's why I, I now am the ex. <laughs> oh man, well, um, <laughs> well, you're 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 a lucky man to have been with her. I'll, I'll say that. <laughs> but um, we are also here with Miss Dana Abercrombie. How are you, Dana? I'm functional. That's all I have. Functional. Uh, we, we want you more than functional. So hopefully, you know, we, we, we cheer you up a bit and you're happy and cheer it, cheerful by the end of the episode. Like, because this, this is a hell of an episode that we're going to be discussing here. A lot happened, um, including in Doug's pigeon coop. A lot <laughs> happened there. Maybe you all say something about that scene. No, that scene, I was debating because it felt like this was a crossover. Anybody remember Friday when they got high off the crystal? What was it? The crystal man? <laughs> and they yeah. were in, he was in the pigeon coop. Yeah. It was like, I was wondering, is this the same pigeon coop? Are we in that same universe? <laughs> Even though it's different states. Did the pigeon coop come from Friday or was it after he left that pigeon coop? It then went on to be in Friday. I should have been the history of the pigeon coop. <laughs> no, I think it's the same coop, the same same pigeon same coop, coop. And, and the same one was in the wire too, with uh, the the young boy who was into the pigeons. You know, it's the same one. So it's a shared coop, a <laughs> shared pigeon coop. Yep. Um, so yeah, you know, th this was a. Uh, I actually really enjoyed this episode, and I can't wait to discuss it with the panel here. Um, and, you know, as usual, we're going to get to our takeaways where each of us, you know, give three things that stood out to us from the episode. Um, and then later on, we will get into our questions and discussion segment where we talk about the, uh, you know, the show in, in more detail and have more back and forth. But before that, you know, just a quick reminder to the people, if you enjoy the show, please do hit the like button. It goes a very long way for us. You know, it helps us to grow. Um, and it's the easiest way you can support the channel, you know, without paying a thing like it's free and everything. So please do hit the like button. Uh, make sure you leave your comments. Let us know your thoughts and theories on, on these topics. Also, uh, once again, we want to thank you all for joining us uh, last week, you know, with, with the live stream and everything. Uh, you know, we, we were very, uh, you know, we were very happy to see everyone come in and, and uh you know, discuss uh, power with us and everything and ask questions and share their, their theories. That was a great experience for us. And, and we, we definitely will try to do that more. Um, but yeah, we, we just want the, the, the whole 
we want the engagement to grow. We want more people to come in. We want, you know, because we love doing this. So please do uh, hit the like button, leave a comment, check out some of the videos on the channel and hit the subscribe button also. But with that being said, let's get right into the takeaway segment. Um, and I am going to go first this week. So uh, let me get my notes together here. So first takeaway. Um, so we so Jukebox had a very interesting episode this week. Um, she was doing a lot of things. The show kind of opened up with her... Um, you know, she she was at Nic Nicole's grave and everything, and then the father showed up, um, and they had a brief conversation, and and he was basically saying that you know because Nicole um, loved and admired Jukebox, that he, he he has her back if she ever needs him for anything, um, and then he also brought up the VHS tape they had, um, you know, where they were singing and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, so that that's how the episode started, and then you know later as as the episode progresses, we see that Jukebox is still very much you know trying to um, you know get under her mother's wing and um, you know build a life around her her and her mother. You know she's trying to spend a lot more time with her, but we see they're having a church study, and you know the guy giving the study he begins to talk about relationships and what the Bible says about relationships you know um and it was very funny how this came right after the palomar scene and stuff like that that was very hilarious how they edited that but <laughs> but that's another topic but um yeah like the so so the the guy given the study got into you know the subject of um you know same-sex relationships and you know things of that nature and he talks about how it's sinful you know um, and it's not the will of God and all those kind of things, you know. So obviously we know that probably hit deep for, for Jukebox. But, you know, because she wants to be with her mom so much, she kind of, you know, she she bottled it up and let it slide. And then we see that she she actually, you know, gives that guy, her the, the, the dude, her number, and they go on a date and everything. So it's like she's, at the moment, she's trying to adjust to this new life with her mother, to the point that she's kind of hiding her own nature a little bit, you know, um, to, to, you know, fit into that lifestyle. Um, and I'm, I wonder how that is going to go for her in the next few episodes. Like, cause when you, when you go against your own kind of nature like that and your own urges and your, and your own needs to kind of, you know, suit someone else and make somebody else happy, Sometimes, you know, it, it makes you bubble up inside and, and that could lead to an explosion later on, you know. Um, so I'm, I'm wondering how this is going to go with, with her, you know, um, dating this dude and everything because we know she likes women um, or girl, other girls and stuff. So uh, I wonder how, how it's going to go. Um, I believe I believe she has been with men before or something, I think. But, um, but yeah, I, obviously we know that she's she she's she prefers women so yeah um it's going to be interesting to see how that plays into the whole kenya thing and and i also think you know based on the conversation she had with her father in this episode that there is going to be a lot more revealed about um kenya and you know her uh you know how her characteristics and how that led to her leaving in the past and everything so yeah 
I'm just I'm just ready for for it because it's it felt like this episode was really building up to something, um, and hopefully it will be Dana's uh, table scene that she's been looking for, you know. Um, but <laughs> but yeah, um, there were, there was a lot of uh, interesting things to 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 note about Jukebox in this episode, and of course she got the VHS fixed as well, and she uh, delivered that back to uh, the father. And she even saw Howard, uh, which we're going to talk about a bit later. But yeah, that's the first takeaway. Um, next one is um, so obviously there's going to be hell to pay after what happened with Saul's son and this hit job on Tony. You know, um, this was this was a uh, this was Marvin's idea. He set this up. Um, obviously, he'd been following. Tony around, but the cops had been following him because, you know, he's a black guy and everything. Of course, you know, black guy in a, in a, in a really good neighborhood, of course, he's going to attract some attention. So he hires uh, Saul's son to do this, uh, to do the job. And uh, as to, I mean, of course, we knew something was going to go wrong when he hired that guy, the, the racist guy. As soon as we saw him, we were like, okay, yeah, this this is not going to go well. Um, so they were outside scoping the place out, planning the the hit and everything. They go inside, and um, you know he, uh, we, I think it was like one shot. With one shot, he kills her, but then he doesn't see the other guy, um, and the other guy kind of tackles him off his feet. There's a scuffle, and you know the racist guy is left with the gun, trying to you know aim and and hit the other guy. But of course, he hits Sal's son, and uh, you know. I guess we assume that he's dead now. Um, and yeah, it's going to be hell to pay for the, for first of all, the racist guy, if he's not dead already, cause I know he, he got injured. Um, but if he's not dead in the pigeon coop, then he, he's going to have hell to pay next week. Um, but Marvin is, is going to be in a real rough spot now because of this, cause he orchestrated the whole thing and it's not going to be hard for them to figure out that this came from Marvin um, first of all, because of who got hit, you know, if they if they if they do some digging, they'll know that she snitched on him or whatever. So they'll know that he, you know, he ordered the hit. And um, and then uh, uh, what else was I going to say? Um, and then also unique, you know, unique knows so he can uh, he can say something. Um, and I have more to say about unique and the role uh, he might play. In this, because you know, I, I think, I think he could play either side of this. You know, like if let's say Soul goes to Unique, and he's like, "Yo, this dude Marvin had my son killed and everything," you know, Unique could uh, he he could maybe even hire Unique to take out Marvin or something of that nature, or Unique could you know he could try and use this as a way to proposition Raquel. Um, you know, for him to take over or something like that, you know? So uh, I'm very interested to see what unique stance might, might be in this, um, in this whole ordeal. But, but yeah, next week there's going to be hell to pay. Um, this is definitely going to fall back heavy on Raquel, you know, because of the, the business that she is doing with Saul. So yeah, this is going to cause some, some chaos. I can't wait to see what happens, you know, with this particular, uh, ordeal. Um, and then uh, my last takeaway is just about, you know, the character that was introduced in this episode, Tremont. 
um, who is Cartier's uh, associate. They do business together. Um, apparently, he's a distro for for uh, for the DC area, I guess. Um, and of course, you know when Cartier and and uh, and Raquel are at dinner, he shows up and he introduces himself and everything. And it's clear that there's some disdain between him and Cartier. Uh, they, you know, it seems like this guy Tremont is trying to kind of break away on his own and be less dependent on on Cartier. Um, and we see later on that Raquel actually approaches him. Now, I don't know if she's doing this to help Cartier, like to maybe, you know, figure out if he's a snake or if she's actually doing this, you know, to, to, to do a, to run her own game. Um, but either way, it was a bad move because now Tremont is onto her. He's following her around. And, and, you know, he actually sees her talking to, well, one of his guys sees her talking to the plug. So now Tremont is going to, you know, make a move possibly to cut out Raquel completely and take the connects. And that is going to have a ripple effect on everything, on literally everything happening in the show. So, um, yeah, very, very snake moves going on right now in in the show, in the drug business. So uh, that was very interesting. I like the introduction of the new player and everything. Um, And yeah, so... Like this, this episode was great for shaking things up. Like this episode really shook everything up a little bit um, and made it so that things could go in di- directions that we couldn't have predicted before. So that's why I really liked about this episode. It shook everything up. But um, but yeah, those those are the three takeaways I had uh, this week. So very interested to hear from from you two now. Um, you know, based on the facial expressions you guys were giving me. So. <laughs> So um, I'm going to pass it over to Richard Bailey now. Rich, what's your takeaways for this week? Very good takeaways as always, Gary. So let me start by saying this was a hell of an episode of Razor Canaan. Uh, For a lot of the reasons that you said, a lot of things got shaken up. Uh, I do have my three takeaways. Uh, So I'm going to start at the very top, and I'm going to just say that Raquel is an outstanding character. The master manipulator at work is always interesting to see. And Patina Miller needs to definitely get her roses for playing this character inside and out. This entire episode, you saw how basically, as you mentioned, Gary, they did introduce this new character called Tremont Stinson, who is the distro for Cartier. And, you know, when he had his interaction with Cartier as they were at dinner, Right after that interaction, you can see Raquel is like, she she sees that he obviously wants to separate himself from Cartier. So she eggs on Cartier and said, hey, so what are you going to do? You always talk about you want to put people in, in their place that are working for you. And we see later on, the next time we see Trayvon, that obviously he has a whole bunch of bruises on his face. So you can basically say, oh, Cartier probably roughed him up, roughed him up a little bit. So essentially, though, to answer your question, Gary, obviously... Raquel is trying to get him to basically be somebody that she works with. And it's very underhanded for her to do that. And even he made mention of, he said, oh, that's, you got, you got a lot of balls to even come to me knowing that Cartier is the one that you was talking with. Now you're trying to basically take somebody who was working with him. So it is interesting to see where that's going to go because I would, and again, as you mentioned, Gary, they did, 
he 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 does have somebody helping to spy on her to see what she's doing because she did we did see that she had that conversation with uh, uh Joaquin and uh you know his sister she did have the conversation with them and again like i had said on our uh, live show last week that was to reassure him that everything is going okay that they can handle unique he's it's not going to be an issue but we already know that uh she she definitely you know that's going to still be an issue that they're going to be monitoring throughout the rest of the season because again they don't want the, they don't want to know they don't want it to be a situation where they're continuing to work with unique and there's obviously people who don't want unique being a part of any of this. So we'll see where that goes. But the other important things that happened in Raquel's storyline within this episode, we did find out finally. And again, I want to give a shout out to all the people leaving comments because they said this in previous episodes that Scrappy's mom was the CI. And you saw that when Howard learned this information and he tells Raquel at the end of the episode, it's like she freezes for a second. And they really emphasize it with the music, the tone, and the camera shot to show you that she was very visibly shaken by that news because that showed that she made a mistake by killing Scrappy. So again, that's fantastic because again, we see the character always making these decisions, but also showing you that she is vulnerable as well when she makes a bad decision. So that, 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 that was excellent. So as far as how Raquel was handled in this episode, fantastic. And the one last point I will add about my takeaway with her character, of course, in this episode, we see that Symphony approaches her after Burke comes after him, asking him questions about, do you know Kanan's father? Were you in a relationship with Raquel Thomas? So on and so forth. And you see at the very end of the episode, and again, this is very clever with the writing, where they made you think that she was going to kill Symphony. However, the conversation she had with Howard right before that, when they were talking about we might have an issue with Shannon, he did mention, so it sounds like this Symphony guy is going to be a problem. If you do address that later in a question, Gary, I have something, I, I, a theory as to what I think is going to happen now based on that conversation. But I will just say, uh, I really like how they played with that whole idea to make you think that she was going to take him out. Because I did say last week, you know, we know how Raquel is. I think because she heard about what happened with Scrappy, that made her second guess that decision. But uh, I'll be very curious to see what happens. I just hope for Symphony's sake, he already leaves. You know, we saw him putting his stuff in his car. Hopefully he's not in the next episode and he has already moved on to the new job. Otherwise, something definitely will happen to that character. But we'll see what happens. So that's the first takeaway. Takeaway number two, Marvin. Marvin, Marvin, Marvin. Marvin is in a lot of trouble, ladies and gentlemen. Now, first and foremost, we did see he did get uh, Renee's number at the very end, towards the end of the episode. So we know eventually he's going to have his time with Renee. But the question is, obviously, he decided to set up this whole thing with Marco Baselli, you know, Sal's son, basically telling him that Tony is a rat and she needs to be eliminated. And of course, Marco Baselli decides, I'm going to do this job without telling my dad this is an outside job. Uh, and of course, Marvin's going to pay me. Now, where this whole situation messed up is that we did see that as Marco was going towards the job, getting ready to set up, he meets up with Unique and Worrell. So, and he tells them what he's doing. So Unique definitely knows now when he finds out something happened to, Mark, to, 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 to Marco that Marvin was behind that. And we already know that Sal is going to want a lot of questions answered. So I'm very curious to see how they're going to tell that story. 
you know, with knowing how unique is as a character, I think he's definitely going to hold that over Marvin's head and, and cause, you know, somehow get that to benefit him. But again, Sal is going to want answers for what happened to his son. So I'm very curious to see how they answer that question. And of course, we had Dominic, racist Dominic. You know, they didn't send my neighbor, Jimmy. You know, they didn't send him this time. That that was a mistake. But racist, racist Dominic is the one that shot Sal's son. Uh, and of course, the the uh, fiance or the husband, you know, Tony's uh, significant other, he survived. And was and at the end of the episode was telling them, oh yeah, Tony would Tony. I can't think of why she they would want to kill her. So because he is a witness to all of this, that's bad news again for for everybody that was involved. So let's see what happens from here. But uh, I know we kept asking, and we also had a lot of a lot of the people who watched the show leaving comments asking why is Marvin so obsessed with Tony. Well, we got our answer, and now I think he's going to regret that decision that uh, all this went down the way it did. But we'll see what happens. And finally, my final takeaway of this episode. I just want to make a comment. Uh, I really love where the jukebox where, where jukes, jukebox story is going. Um, I like. I have to give them give the writers credit. The opening scene she had with Nicole's dad at the graveyard, and then how he responded to how he acknowledges jukebox. That is exactly the the response any parent should give and how they should feel about their kid. The fact that their kid was in a loving relationship and and, and that's how a parent should respond. It shouldn't be how the mother responded. But obviously we know, and as he alluded to, they were getting a divorce because they have two different viewpoints on life. So, But I have to give them credit for putting that scene in there because I'm glad that they acknowledge that there was somebody that understood the situation and was supportive of what was happening with their daughter. So I give them credit for that. But uh, we did see very interesting, you know, as the stuff that Gary alluded to where jukebox is now going into the church and you see the church is talking about how bad and how it's a sin to, you know, like other people of the same sex, so on and so forth. But then you also see in this same episode that Marvin does have an encounter with jukebox and he warns her that Kenya is out for herself. So again, I feel like we definitely need to get more answers about what happened beforehand with these two and what uh, and what is Kenya's true and in, true intentions because we we've, we've been saying this for weeks now Kenya something's up with that character there's a reason why Raquel doesn't want her around she didn't want Jukebox Jukebox around her but also because of that conversation that Marvin had with Jukebox makes me believe that Jukebox is definitely going to have a falling out with Kenya very soon uh, and I am very curious to see how that's going to happen. What's going to be, because again, as you alluded to, Gary, Jukebox is basically trying to do stuff to to really hide who she is. She's, she's showing that she doesn't really like girls, at least not in front of her mom. So I'm very curious to see what's going to lead to that coming out and what's the fallout is going to be from that. But um, overall, as I mentioned earlier, this is it's a fantastic episode of Razor Canaan. I do not like when they take a break. But in this case, the, it feels like this was well worth the break because they came back and they brought us a great episode. And I can't wait to see what happens next. Oh, yeah, I agree. Great episode. And um, yeah, uh, what you said about Symphony as well. Like if, if he's not already gone in the next episode, <laughs> then yeah, something's happening to your boy for sure. But um, Oh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. 
great, great, excellent takeaways. We're gonna, we're gonna definitely talk about some of that stuff in a bit. Um, but let's hear from Dana Abercrombie now. What, what, what's your three takeaways, Dana? So, um, in the great book of Canaan, chapter three, um, Mr. Canaan, as an adult, talks about ripple effects when the episode starts about, you know, how you throw something in the water and how it sends out waves all over. And how basically your actions affect other people and you don't, you're not even aware of it. And that's just kind of basically with life. And then later on, you'll find out what actually happens and it's going to come back to, to, to hit you. It's going to come right back to you. And so for me, what really stood out this episode was you have the entire situation with, um, with Raquel. Raquel... I thought that she acted very reckless this season, this, not this season, this episode. Um, it was something that was completely out of character for her that we've seen in the previous episodes, even all the way from season one. Um, it was confusing kind of at first because to see her act so reckless, even though she's been careful and she's a thinker, just was just weird to me. The whole situation with Cartier, um, I thought that they would have some kind of a relationship and bond in terms of them. She, not necessarily a love relationship, but she's using him in order to get information to how to expand from Maryland and D.C. She's using him to learn how to, you know, flesh out the money into properties that it's legal and illegal. So to cross someone so early after meeting them, what would you would say, like four episodes, three episodes later? was a bit weird to me and not just to cross him, but to do it so openly in regards to with that guy. It was literally, she literally said, I met you 12 hours ago. What are you doing? And like, it made it no sense because it's like, you you think that he acts alone, but he has a team of people in order to check you out as well. And what would make you think that he's not going to run to Cartier at any point in time? Because at the end of the day, you're just to Cartier or to anyone else looking at this situation, some random woman he happened to hook up with and then took him to a restaurant to have some cow, cow oh, what was it? Caviar. So I did not understand that. Also the ripple effect with, I don't understand the situation with symphony. Now, when you saw and you, she was driving down the street and she turned off that light and she was ready to kill him. It made the most sense because you had that conversation with Howard about, you know, loose ends, which was kind of weird because Howard was like, oh, don't worry about it. I'm like, no, that white woman, you should kind of worry about. Once they smell something, they're going to just keep going after it. You ever seen like the nosy neighbor? They always discovering dead bodies and everything else. Anyway, the point is, is that Symphony knows too many things. And while I do believe that he will remain loyal to Raquel and not open his mouth, he is still someone that you should, you know, he's a loose end. Um, and so in terms of ripple effect, <clears throat> I wonder if this is going to be someone who we never see again or later down the line. Maybe not now, maybe in another couple of seasons, because, you know, Power Universe likes to jump back from, hey, remember the two seasons ago, that one guy, and then he came back in. <clears throat> so I wonder if he'll have another role, say not now, but down the line, something that he knows. On top of that, when you looked at the whole Roel, not was it not Roel? Um, it was Scrappy situation. Scrap, the fact that she killed an actual innocent man, and now you have the mother constantly going every single day, 
I wonder if that's going to create that kind of ripple effect where they actually do open a case. I'm not sure. But because she did not kill, because she did kill Scrappy, she didn't kill Symphony. She had guilt about that. But maybe you should have actually killed Symphony. It should have been the other way around because he, you know, he knows too much as well. Um, so you have that situation. Crown is another ripple effect. By and Crown, yes, oh, yay, I slayed the dragon, but you awoke in another beast. And that was the man who, whose name I didn't catch because I didn't understand a single thing that they said. But I know that they now owe $50,000. They want their $50,000. And you're creating another situation where you're not, I feel like you're not going to get ahead. You're going to just always constantly be trying to catch up. And, and you have the $50,000. You have the fact that the other guys in the organization are not happy with how you're operating. You're just randomly taking money without being, without it being counted. So people are not going to have, you know, be on your P's and Q's. You're at the end of the day, you're running a business. You want to know what you have in your inventory. You want to know what you have in your savings and your checkings and everything else. So that when things go either awry or even successful, you know what it is that you're working with. And with uh, Lulu running off and taking money, that's not counted. That's that screws up Raquel. And what she may be doing. And the last thing that you want, because you fear your sister so much, is Raquel starting to ask questions and getting involved in your business. And then you signed, you made a deal with the devil, Cartier, a man you technically do not know. Who you look at, look at his shiny suit, look at his fancy words. Look, he knows how to drink wine and pronounce it all in French. Yes, but he also knows how to screw you over. And it was a moment where he looked at Cartier with kind of disgust. And I'm like, yeah, you got your own self in this situation. Be disgusted at yourself. Why are you disgusted at this man? As he stated, um, basically, you, you see an opportunity, take it. What it was, I forgot the direct quote, but it was basically one man's downfall or something is another man's opportunity. So that is on you completely, you and your desperation. By not by not figuring out, hey, Crown is a piece of doo-doo, but what else did he get in himself into? And he used the studio as collateral. Another thing that really kind of stuck out for me was Raquel. Uh, guys already kind of touched it, not Raquel, was um, Jukebox. You guys touched on it kind of already, but I want to know the fact that they brought in this character. It wasn't just a moment of closure for me. It felt like he is someone who we may see down the line. I don't know if it's just an ear to talk to, but that acceptance was something that Jukebox needed and it gave her closure. The fact that she went and got the tape repaired and gave it to him, I felt was a sign of closure for both me and you. So I really liked how they did that. The speech, I wonder if they're gonna go back and if she's gonna, I don't know, knock on his door one random night and say, I just need to talk. But the fact that he's there was really nice. But here's another thing that people will probably get into later. At that very same time when she left his apartment, his apartment, that's when um, Howard came in. So I don't know if she knows or she is thinking whether or not, oh, I can't trust him because there goes that stinking cop Howard. 
I don't know if she if she feels like, oh, he's just trying to probably use any information against me. So I wonder how that happens. And we've seen a lot of miscommunication throughout this show. You know, rest in peace, Scrappy, once again, because Howard can't figure out what a CI is and get his own stuff together. And that's another ripple effect. He had to die because Howard had misinformation. And the fact, and then I know that he doesn't know that Raquel killed him, but the fact that he seems so shrugged off about the fact that someone died because of his own misinformation, you are a terrible person. And as much as I hate Shannon, I hope she gets you on something. So I can't stand Shannon at this point. Shannon has given me all kinds of Karen. But just because of your reaction to uh, Scrappy, and like, eh, whatever, my information was wrong. He's dead. Uh, you have no kind of remorse. You're dead inside. I hope you die eventually. Um, and I think that was number three. So that that you know that has to that was it was a very interesting situation. Um, I thought it was kind of funny that Tony, of all people, was finally dead. I wish it was a microwave incident just to call back to the dog, but whatever. Um, overall, I thought it was very interesting. I want to know how you guys said his name was, what was his name? The guy who got beat up by Cartier? Because I thought it was Boris. They don't give us subtitles. So I just hear what they, I hear. They did say Boris, uh, but but yeah, his name is Trey Mott Stinson. Okay. Well, I'm going to go with Boris because Rocky and Bullwinkle. <laughs> yeah. But that's that's yeah, that's kind of like that. And I, I know that you guys predicted the whole anger management situation. And then also Corinne's raggedy. Was it Corinne? The Corinne's mother. Uh, Palomar. Pal- my ex. My your, ex. Your ex is off. <laughs> I know we can't say certain language, but you Trifling. did good. Trifling. 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 That's rape. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Which- I'm sure- well go ahead. No, I was going to say, if you look at this this, this way, and the whole like Oedipus kind of like a, a allegory, not allegory, but a reflection of like parent of the things passed down. Remember, they kept emphasizing, if you really looked at it, Howard was with Raquel underage. That's technically rape as well. And then mm-hmm. her son gets raped by Palomar. That's a connection. That's that's excellent. Yep. That's an excellent connection. It makes yeah. a lot of sense. Yeah, that's um, the connection. Uh, we, 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 we'll, we'll get to that. Uh, as we're definitely going to yeah. have some questions related to that. But Rich, you was going to say something real quick? Oh no, I, we're going to get to a lot of that. I just but before we go to the next topic, though, Gary, you, you didn't you didn't mention your name, and I have a comment to make after you mention your name. Okay. Uh, well, well. Uh, first of all, Dana, uh, excellent takeaways. But, yeah. um, excellent takeaways. Oh, you not understand the man then? Oh, you not understand? <laughs> See, the, the the thing is, I don't really understand you, but I'm picking up on like every other word, so I kind of understand you, but I really don't understand what exactly is going on right now. So I just know that he got his butt kicked and that he owed fifty thousand. I see, see, see. Okay. Okay. All right. Yeah. So the 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 introduction of the Jamaicans, you know that that was that was cool. Um, you know, I I come from a Jamaican family. I'm not that great at speaking the accent myself, but um, but you know I, I've I've heard it like down there every day of my life. So, but yeah, um, uh, I, I like that introduction, and that's why my name is Bomba Clark Badman because you know the, the the lead guy, the lead Jamaican guy, he said you know the the infamous Bomba Clark. He dropped he dropped the word, so you know yeah. I have to go with that as my name. If but anyone can teach me what that means, I would love that. 
Oh, I don't know if you can say it on here, but yeah, we, we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll 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 talk about that. But I, I just want to make a comment and say because I, I spoke about this with Gary as soon as I saw the episode. I'm sure you will agree, Dana. This is exactly how the Yardies need to be presented when Force comes back because that group, unlike the Mafia, who did who just like you said, Dana, they look very silly in this show. This group I took serious from the very beginning, and you saw how they roughed up Lulu in this episode. That is exactly how they need to be portrayed in force. But see, no, they screwed up some. That bothered me because remember, right after that scene, he was in the studio. I didn't see him all beaten up. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. Later on, because well, well, he spoke to Cartier after that attack. When he was with Cartier, yeah. he wasn't stomped on. There was no evidence. We, we, what are yeah, we doing? That, that, that's true. That's true. That's and true. they stomped him. They kicked him and stomped him. He was like, oh, my God. <laughs> he was like a little baby in the fetal position. No, my face. Come they, on they, 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 they want that 50K immediately. Mm. <laughs> and I love the fact that no one cares that Crown is dead. It's not like, where is he? He's just giving me <laughs> money. Yeah, yep. that's what that's what I was noticed. That, that's what I noticed. It was that's like they cold. just they really just moved on from from him dying. But, um, but yeah, great takeaways. Uh, you know, there, there's there's a whole lot to say about this episode, which is why you know even after the takeaways, we're still kind of talking here because there's just so much that this this is one of my favorite episodes for real. But um, before we get to the questions and discussions, just a quick reminder, people. Leave your comments. This is a good time to do it now. You know, after you've heard a little bit about what we're, 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 you know, our thoughts and what we're talking about on the show and everything, definitely drop your comments. Let us know what you think, um, and hit that like button, please do, and also subscribe to the channel. And you know, I don't want to waste any time. We're going to get right into the the questions and discussions. And uh, I guess I'll get to uh, Lulu. You know, right now since we're talking about you know we're sort of talking about it so um of course he he ends up going to cartier because now he has a money problem with the studio and everything um and you know he needs somebody to kind of pick up a a bit of the slack and help him expand the business and everything like that so cartier you know he he negotiates and he says he wants half of crown's half which i guess is like you know a quarter of the business or something like that um and uh, yeah, then later on, we see them in the studio together, and it looks like, you know, Cartier, he's giving instructions, like, leave, leave the mixing board alone, <laughs> you know, get your hands off that, you know, <laughs> so it's like, he's already controlling, like, and during the negotiation, he said he wasn't gonna, you know, get too involved and control things, but we already see it happening now, so the question is, you know, did, did Lulu make a mistake here, and do you see Cartier, um, you know, taking over pretty much like you know becoming a worse version of crown that lulu can't you know because I, I don't think i don't think lulu can get rid of the cartier problem like like he did the crown problem so uh do you how, how do you foresee this playing out now with with cartier being involved in the music business with lulu so um i'll go to you first dana what do you think this is um Oh, okay, there we go. Um, this is really interesting because he thought that he was dealing with a monster in terms of uh, with Raquel and with uh, Crown. And now he's dealing with a much bigger beast that you just cannot up and choke out because he has too many people and connections. So I do feel that they will mourn him. Um, 
this is a situation where I think I don't know how he's going to navigate. And um, I don't know how he's going to regain control because it was very interesting. He said the whole silent partner situation and clearly he's very vocal. And we all know that his uh, that Lulu's soundboard is his heart and his soul. And he took that away from him as well. So he's just sitting up there again, miserable. But once again, he caused this whole mess. So he's going to have to figure out what to do. And that little girl, Scissor, or whatever her name is, Ziza, she's not going to be there to get him out of it. It's going to only be him, I feel. And also, where's Crown's body? That I really want to know. But um, with this whole situation, Cartier is going to start exhibiting way more control over both the artist and the sound and the approach of what's going on in the business on top of that, I feel that when he tries to confront him, it's going to be another Boris situation where he might get beaten down again. I don't know, but I kind of feel like this whole season or half of what's remaining of the season is going to just be Lulu getting beat up every time he tries to do something. Um, so I, that's just what I wonder. And I also wonder... Who is he going to else to rely on? Because he can't go to Raquel. I mean, he purposely did not go to Raquel with this situation. So I wonder who exactly is in his corner. And then you have Marvin, but Marvin may be dead by the end of this season because he acted stupidly as well. Um, so I just think that this is a, something that Lulu is going to have to figure out. I don't know how he will do this. But it's going to be a very hard rest of the season for him. And also, who's to say that the the what are they? They just said the gym they're going to be gone after they gave him his money. Maybe they want interest. Maybe they want something more. Maybe this is going to be an everlasting issue for the remainder of the season. Yeah, yeah. They they did uh, mention the name of the the leader, the the dude who who. Uh, Crown owns the money too. I think we'll see him. We, we might end up seeing him. And you so. know that was something when Cartier was like, oh, I don't want to mess with him. Yeah. So if he does get involved, is I, do, I wonder if this is going to be like, hey, can you help me get rid of this guy? And then now what was his name? Milton Lilton? I don't know. I've missed the whole thing. But this guy who no one wants to mess with, I wonder how he is going to now step into the picture because he seems as someone that if Cartier does not even want to deal with how strong and powerful is it and this is what I kind of like about this compared to the other shows we're getting a big bad that we don't even see but we're getting reactions of that's what I appreciate so far yeah yeah definitely and, and there's a lot of like little details in the episode that I really appreciate like throughout like a little Look, just little subtle things that they're doing in the writing and the acting. Um, and I think a lot of that nuance was missing from Force. Um, but yeah, the, the, this this was a great episode. But uh, Richard, what's your thoughts on the whole Cartier and Lulu situation? Well, I believe it was, uh, they'll have to correct me. I, I can't recall if it was doing me, Ghost, or... Uh, Rainy J that made the comment on the live show last week that uh, they feel like Cartier is based off of Suge Knight. And, you know, here's the thing. The, the Cartier character has, 
you know, I think one of the more exciting things that I've seen from the character when the last the previous week where he slapped the uh, the guy at the art gallery, that was great. I, I like seeing this character when they have to take action against people. So I kind of want to see him have to rough up, have to rough up some people. Uh, obviously, the producer who they're trying to get this song on the radio. I do think that there will be another interaction that happens in the next couple episodes. And they will finally get it on the radio because he probably roughs up that guy or does something to, to to scare that guy into doing it. So I look forward to seeing that. But Lulu is in a very tricky situation. What what I really like about the writing da- dynamic is that because of, as Dana mentioned earlier, because of how Raquel was so reckless in this episode to try to go after somebody, you know, an associate of Cartier, now, she, I believe she doesn't know what Lulu has been doing and the fact that now he has, he is working so closely with Cartier, that kind of puts this situation now in trouble. Because, again, if, you know, this guy's name, once again, uh, Tremont Stinson, if he ever does go to Cartier and tells him that Raquel came approached him about a side deal, I kind of feel like Lulu is going to feel the brunt of that one way or another, because again, now he's working closely with this guy. And of course, Raquel does not know the extent of what's happening with that whole record label stuff. So I'm very curious to see which path this goes down. Cause again, it can go down multiple paths, but I think Lulu is going to get, a, it's going to be a very tricky situation from him on out. He's going to definitely lose. Uh, as you say, Gary, it feels as though, Cartier is now instructing him, you need to do this, you know, or turn that music down here, turn the levels up here, all this other stuff. So this is a uh, this is going to be a very tricky situation. I'm not really sure how he navigates out of that, but I do agree, I do agree with Dana's point that this other guy that he's afraid of may play a role in that. I just don't know how he's going to play a role in it. So, but that's the fun of the show because again, they can go in a lot of different directions. But I'm very curious to see where they actually go. And and as far as Ziza and her involvement, you did see at the beginning of this episode, she wanted to hook up with Lulu and he stopped as soon as them guys came in there and, and said, Hey, we know that she likes Lulu. All right. That is a conflict of interest because I, you know, I, I don't think she's going to be able to do that type of stuff with Cartier around. So I want to see how that progresses as well, because it feels like Lulu has to not only juggle what's happening with Cartier, but he also has to worry about her as well. That's why it makes it, he has a lot on his plate. So I'm very curious to see where things go from here, but uh, a very, very tough episode for Lulu. Um, Let's see what happens next. Yeah, definitely. Um, I ju- I just liked how the Jamaicans walked in like mad casual when they saw them <laughs> when they saw Caesar and Lulu having yeah. sex. Like that was hilarious. But Dana, what was you gonna say? No, 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 no. And I'm tired of y'all holding these women to a pedestal. Caesar is just someone who just thinks about ding dongs, and she's not really there for the essence of the person. Here, the man, the people came in. Right. And threatened him. We want our money. You know, are we going to come and bomba clad everybody or, you know, pay us? And then she went back instead of saying, oh, my gosh, we're in trouble. We need to figure out something. It was like, yeah, you didn't finish. Hello. Yep. So she just no. Stop giving these women all these raised petals. No, she is just someone who wants the thing thing. (laughs) 
Well, hey, she did a good job on the song at the end, right? I, I heard Gary was dancing to that that song at the end of the episode. So she sounds uh, basic. I, I didn't like. I, I didn't like her vocals on that. She is basic. Y'all need to stop. <laughs> they they need jukebox up in there. Thank uh, you. Yep. Jukebox has soul. She has spirit, and she has vocals. Mm-hmm. This I one agree. has air. <laughs> you know, I'm sitting here. No. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, um, I have a lot of questions, so uh, I'm gonna keep it moving. But uh, great thoughts on that. Can't wait to see what uh, the people have to say. So let's mm-hmm. get to this juicy, this juicy topic here. Um, so we saw towards the end of the episode that Karen approached Raquel. And she is likely going to tell her exactly what she saw earlier that day when she threw the the, the box of milk at her mother, you know. <laughs> so the, I want to know, uh, you know, what what is what is Raquel's reaction going to be? Um, you know, is she going to go and see Miss Palomar? And if she does, how is that conversation going to go? Do they even maybe have history? Do, do, do they know who each other are, you know? Like, what would you think that conversation might end up being like? So, uh, <laughs> Richard, what's your, what's your thoughts on that? Well, first and foremost, let's, let's uh, correct. The girl's name is, is Corinne. We, we have to be respectful to the character because, uh, you know, she got disrespected in this episode. So I want to start by saying, yes, that's what her name was. Uh, in that response. Wait, what, what did I say? You said Karen. You, you called her a Karen. I said they, Corinne. They, 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 no, they, they, there, 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 there are other Karens on the show, though, so mm. I understand the confusion. The, in my, the, the, in my the, the, accent, I don't know. Is your okay, accent? That's what it was. That, that, that's yeah. what it was then. So, but here's the thing. Yes, I do expect Raquel to confront Palomar in the next episode and ask her what the hell is she doing with uh, Kanan. Um, Kanan, you saw in this episode, he did stop for a second and say, wait, hold on, you're Corinne's mother. I can't do this. And then what she says, well, I'm a woman. That's a girl over there. I'm a woman. And I can do whatever I want to do. And that was it. He he that's it. He was he was finished after that. So um I I'm very curious to see what happens next with this entire situation. Uh I think Dana's point that she said earlier about the parallels between what was going on between Howard and Raquel and what's now happening with Palomar and Can- and Canaan, that is a hundred percent on point. And I'm pretty sure that's what they intended to do. That's why I'm very curious to see how she's going to react to this situation, because we do know that at least from what the conversations that she has had with Howard is that she did not like how that how that relationship blossomed and then then it fell apart. She didn't like what happened with her and Howard. So I would imagine she's not going to like what's happening with Kane and messing around with this older woman. So we have to wait and see which direction it goes. But to answer the question right off the bat, yes, I 100% expect her to confront Palomar in the next episode. And that will be very juicy to see how that little conversation goes down because it might get very physical. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah, I, I would love to see a, a fight between those two. Uh, they, they seem like two like very like controlling, manipulative mothers. So like I'm, I'm interested to see how that goes. Like, like if if it was like trading cards, they they'd have similar stats. Like, so it, it would be a good like you know battle. <laughs> so, but but Dana, why are you shaking your head? What's up? What's on your mind? This was the most ghettoest scene 
I ever sat through. And I had like the biggest bag of popcorn that I was like magically eating because I wanted to know more about this. This was so tacky. Um, one of two things can happen. And I think that it'll be interesting in how she responds because if you look at, oh, I don't know how to place this and say this sensitively, but certain families of certain colors have experienced what Canaan has experienced is basically, let's get down to it. I don't care how they glamorize. Oh, you hit that older lady. Oh, that's great. That was rape, right? And a lot of that occurs in families, but it's the other gender. You know, Uncle Bobby did something with me, right? And we families have a way of reacting one of two ways. We don't say anything and we sweep it under the rug or we blame the child. So I wonder if they're going to do something different because Kanan is a man. Will they respond with the high five situation from Raquel? Or will it be, that is my son. I strongly protect him. That is what I really want to know. And I hope that they do something differently with that. I do not see them being of the same character, um, Palomar and Raquel at all. Raquel protects her son to the point where you can say it may be smothering. Remember if we go back to other episodes where it's like, why can't you stay young forever? Remember with the whole situation, would you like a glass of milk before you go to bed? That whole thing. She protects him fiercely, but she knows that it's time for him to grow up and she's trying to stop that. But if you also look at what she puts him through, it is very aging for a child. Palomar, her response to what happened when her daughter walked in was not of shame, but of glory. You should have protected your man. I'm teaching you a lesson, girl. That whole situation. So they are not the same at all. Um, Palomar is very self-centered. Raquel feels that she's doing this for her family and the betterment of her son. One day this will be yours. I'm gifting this to you. Palomar, well, you should have known better because, you know, girl, you're going to learn one day. I feel that this is now completely up to the writer's hands of how they want to do this. Will they rely on this to be stereotypical or will this be something where they confront each other about this? Because I, again, she's very protective of her son. We've seen the parallels between Raquel and Howard. He was much older than Raquel. Is this going to be a situation where I don't want this for my son? And that's how she comes and confronts uh, uh, Palomar about this. Because I, I just don't feel that the whole, the fact that they made it a situation where the girl approaches Raquel and tells everything that happened does not seem to me that this is going to be a situation where it's just swept under the rug. I hope it's not. And this is an episode about ripple effects. So what is the ripple effect by telling Raquel this information? Is she now going to have to deal with my mother is dead? I don't know. But I hope they do something that's not your stereotypical response of, yeah, guy, you hit it. You hit it real good. You know, she couldn't turn you down or, you know, that whole, well, just sweep it under the rug. We don't talk about that. So I don't know. But I hope it's what I said before. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was just uh, the man manipulation. Like they're, they're both uh, 
you know, manipulative mothers, but but Raquel definitely is unlike that. She wouldn't do anything like what Palomar did, you know. Uh, but I do like the parallel that uh, you. But she never, to. she never manipulated. If you really look at it, Palomar never manipulated her daughter. She laid out the facts straight away. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah, she manipulates Canaan. Didn't gaslight her. She didn't do anything. And yeah. the whole Canaan situation, she pressured. She didn't really manipulate. She pressured him. Right. It wasn't like if you tell anybody, I'm gonna come and kill your whole family. It was, right. you know, you want this. Look at all this piece. Exactly, but but I like the uh, I like the parallel that you drew with, with you know the fact that Raquel was with Howard when uh you know she was very young too, and I do think that is going to play a part. Like there was a lot in this episode, there was a lot of parallels because then there was the uh, the uh, you know the symphony thing too, and the scrappy. You know that was a whole other parallel. So. I like I like that, but um, yeah, great thoughts overall. Can't wait to to see what the people have to say about this whole Palomar ordeal, and I can't wait. Uh, like I'll be I'll be looking for the trailer because we we don't get the trailer when we're recording the show, but I'll be I'll be watching that closely because I want to <laughs> see if there's any sort of exchange between these characters. Because yeah, that yeah, that's there will be there will be. That's going to be a good one when it happens. But, um, but yeah, so uh, let's, what should we get to now? So there's a lot to get to. Um, so let's talk about Howard. Um, mm. And, you know, I know Richard had something to say about Howard, but first of all, the, the first part, uh, before we get to what Richard wanted to say, and maybe it ties into this anyway, but... Um, so what is Howard planning? You know, because obviously he, he had this conversation with Raquel, you know, um, and, you know, Raquel told him that Shannon is digging around and questioning, you know, her ex and everything. Um, and Howard knows, like, he, he knows that Shannon's been digging around and stuff. And then obviously he told Raquel about Scrappy and that whole thing. Um, and then at the end of the episode, we see Howard going to going to Nicole's father. Um, and, you know, we know that Shannon was heavily involved in that case, you know, when it happened. And she she somewhat kind of protected uh, Jukebox in that situation. And we also get another scene in this episode earlier on when uh, Shannon is, uh, she's going through paperwork and she discovers that, you know, um, Howard had an underage CI, which turned out to be Raquel. And that's how the whole thing happened between them. Um, so, you know, my question is, what is Howard planning to do now? Like, what's, what's his, what's the move he's making where, when he's going to see Nicole's father? And how do you see playing that out? How do you see that playing out? And then, you know, Rich, you can also tie in whatever you wanted to say as well um, on that. So do you want to go first or do you want to let Dana go first? I'll let Dana go first. Okay, go ahead, Dana. This is sexist. I'm joking. I'm complaining. <laughs> um, the whole situation, y'all already know that I cannot stand her. And someone also made the parallels that basically, I don't know why this thing keeps going off. But everybody made the parallels that she is basically, um, what would you say, Angela in this situation? Was it Angela? I would say Greg Knox after this episode because she's so obsessed <laughs> where she has <laughs> to f- solve the, solve the, the, the crime. 
She's annoying. Golly, <laughs> and Jesus. I just want her to be redeemed in the fact that there is something more shady and seedy going around that she ends up actually finding and investigating. I'm with the girlfriend at this moment. Like, please just give it a break. Give it a rest. You are basically becoming internal affairs. And then no one likes internal affairs. And that's kind of how you get killed. Really? You're too nosy. And you're so open with your nosiness. My thing is, if you're going to be nosy, do it quietly. Everyone was so loud this episode with their stuff. And even to the point where Symphony, that questioning was just completely out of pocket. It was so... Mm-hmm. Look at me, I need attention situation where it was like, I understand that you're taking him, you're, you're doing this and running the tags and being annoying, but oh, how do you know the father? What's going on? That was just downright, it was an act of desperation to her. And I wonder with being so desperate, what is she going to do that is going to cause her to slip up and eventually die? Because uh, something has to happen. In terms of Howard, I don't see him acting right now because even when Raquel addressed this to him, he shrugged it off like it was nothing. Either that or he's hiding something. You know, oh, let me, maybe he's doing what Shannon should have been and not showing his full cards at all. And I would like that. Again, I want my big dinner scene. And Shannon, you got a seat at the table. You're not the head, but you're at the seat. Um, I just want to know what is her end game with this? And we still don't know an end game. Is it some kind of promotion? Is she trying, because she says that she's trying to investigate the shooting. But that felt to me like it was so long ago when everyone has moved on that the only person who cares about it is her. Not even Howard, who was the person who got shot. So I don't know if that is truly her end game. Is she looking for a promotion? Is she has some deep-seated hate towards Howard? Maybe they slept together and he ghosted her one night. I don't know. But it's giving those too much desperate vibes. In terms of Howard going to his sister Nicole, I don't know what that means. That's the one thing where I am actually honestly stumped. I don't know. I know that he went after he, he learned that you know, the CI was kind of the mother and not scrappy. So I don't know what it means. And I felt that they already got closure from the situation with Nicole, that oh, it was just an accidental overdose. So I don't know if he's trying to reopen the case. And if so, why now? The father, he's at peace. The mother is not at peace, clearly, and it, and it talked about how this, again, with ripple effects, affected them, and it was inevitable that they was going to get divorced. They was just waiting for Nicole to go to college, but she happened to die, so that sped up the process. Um, I don't know what the end game is for these two characters, and that it could be a good thing because, again, I don't like being told everything that's going to happen, and I just figure out the plot right away. Oh, you throw something a curveball at me. So I don't I don't I don't have the answer. I'm genuinely confused. Yeah. And there, there's many ways they can play it, but um it is, you know, it's fun to just speculate about. But I understand like because even you know, even I don't know exactly how they're gonna play that, but um it is it's certainly fun to think about. But um I'm not I'm I'm just anticipating Rich's theory because I know he's got a theory on that. <laughs> Richard, uh, let us know what you think. 
Well, first and foremost, I agree with what Dana said. I really don't like Shannon. Uh, I The only motivation I could think of is, yes, she really cares about her job to protect and serve. The fact that there was an officer that got shot but didn't die, she's like, well, I need to find out what is the answer to all of this. And maybe they will eventually explain what her obsession is with this at some point. But uh, she definitely crossed the line in this episode. And as I said, it feels like Greg Knox in the OG power all over again because of the obsession. And you saw even her uh, girlfriend, you know, she mentioned that her mom fell, so she wanted to go check on her. She couldn't even leave to do that. She's like, oh, no, go ahead and do what you got to do. I'm going to stay right here continuously looking over this case. But she definitely has figured out all of the things that she needs to figure out. I kind of feel like, uh, once again, shout out to Jeremiah Latumba. I think his theory is going to come true, where eventually you're going to see uh, Howard and Raquel have to team up and get rid of her. But what I was going to mention is that with Howard in this episode, because if you notice, you know, ever since, you know, this storyline has been brewing the entire season of between Howard and Shannon, you have not seen those two characters interact with each other yet. So clearly the writers are setting this up. They're they're building the anticipation to that moment when they actually have an interaction about this stuff because it hasn't happened again yet, but it is going to happen. But my theory about this is that, you know, when Howard had that conversation with Raquel and she mentioned about Symphony and the fact that, yeah, she might be, you know, you know, Howard alluded to the fact, well, you obviously are concerned. He probably is somebody we need to take care of. I would not be surprised if down the road, and again, let's hope Symphony is gone. I don't know. Maybe he already got the job. I would not be surprised if down the road, Howard kills Symphony. Because if you recall, Howard and Symphony already had an interaction last season. And that was not a good interaction. You know, the fact that, you know, he, you know Howard, you know, being a police officer, Symphony didn't like that. He didn't like how he approached him. And then they were talking about Kane and stuff like that. So I could definitely see that happening. And that's something that Raquel would not want to happen because she obviously still cares about Symphony. But because she hesitated in this episode to do that, if Howard ever found out that she hesitated to do that, I'm pretty sure he would do the job. And again, as I said before, eventually we do know, I do believe eventually Raquel is going to take out Howard. But you need to have other reasons and motivations as to why she's going to do that. And it has to be something that he does something that is just so unforgivable. She just has to take action. So this is, again, just my idea as to what's going to happen. But as far as far as Symphony is concerned, like you said, Gary, if that character is not at this new job next week and he's still for some reason hanging around, it's a wrap. Game over, ladies and gentlemen. So hopefully that doesn't happen. But uh, this storyline with Howard uh, and Burke, somebody's going to have to deal with Burke at some point. And, and, and again, if it's a situation where she is killed at the end of the season, I'm very curious to see what the fallout will that, of that will be because that whole thing about, as you mentioned earlier, when Howard went to go visit Nicole's father, he asked Nicole's father, he said, I need, I need to talk to you about Shannon Burke. So I'm pretty sure he's going to tell him this is an officer you shouldn't listen to. Maybe you need to file a complaint against her. I'm pretty sure that's what his motivation is. And that's important because you saw Jukebox noticing him when he came to meet the father. So 
Jukebox already doesn't like Howard. This is more motivation to give her as to why she don't like Howard. If he has anything to do with something happening to Shannon, whether she loses her job, gets suspended, whatever, that's a problem. And the last point that I do want to make, because we didn't touch upon this, we know that Shannon has been going to the evidence locker, getting all of this stuff to put the pieces together. But they made it a point to show you that time when she went back to the evidence locker towards the end of the episode, there was an officer looking and watching what she's doing, the guy at the desk. That is definitely going to come back later. I mean, he can he may he may go ahead and report her to the boss and say this officer is doing doing some stuff that she shouldn't be doing. So I'm very curious to see what they're where they're going with that. But it was a very subtle, but it's enough for you to notice that guy was looking at her, watching what she was doing with amazement. So they're going to revisit that at some point, but we have to see which direction they take it. But again, uh, it's not looking good for Shannon. I just want to see how they're going to tell this story. And I think it will be very interesting when you had Howard almost get killed towards the end of last season. Now, what if Burke does get killed at the end of this season? And then that starts a whole bunch of other stuff that's happening and people wanting to investigate as to what happened with her. So look forward to seeing what happens next. Can I just say really quickly that I love the fact that Richard brought that up and I completely forgot the fact that 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 was why he was there. So remember when we were talking about being loud and being quiet and this is why I don't want Howard to die anymore. I'm a woman. Mm. I'm allowed to change my mind. Um, (laughs) I feel that he is working quietly Mm -hmm. and he is going to get the information in order to make it look like Shannon is harassing and change, you know, harassing all of these people and that she is kind of the crazy cop. And the fact that she keeps going, you know, whispering to all of um, Howard's people and let me see the evidence. Let me see this and that they're going to run. I feel they can run back to Howard. Oh, wait, I muted myself by mistake. See, my computer said I talk too much. Um, But yes, the fact that she's doing it and undercover and in the darkness and in the fact you had that police officer walk by police, people talk. I don't know the ins and out, but it is that code of silence, except for if you trying to aggravate somebody else and try to get them put under, I believe that they will run to Howard eventually and tell him what's really going on with Shannon. And, and even though Raquel has told him about the investigation and he didn't respond, remember, like I said, he was kind of probably maybe, maybe he could have been too quiet. He's going to do something to retaliate. And the fact that Nicole and how she died, they're going to figure out maybe a complaint to be made against Shannon. Or in a weird way, I was wondering if they can pen something on Shannon in order to set her up to get her gone. I... I really like what you said about they could say that she's harassing people since she's actually been doing that with uh, Symphony. Symphony, Nicole, and the employees, the fellow cops. Yes, and she she already looks crazy, so that would be very believable. And the girlfriend (laughs) was very adamant, and she stated, they do not like internal affairs. You're acting like internal affairs. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. There you go. So, yeah. Yeah, excellent points. I definitely feel like it's something like that where Howard is going to use, you know, all of her mistakes and missteps against her and and have her, you know, uh, disciplined at the, the precinct. Because remember earlier in the season two, the uh, the police chief already gave her a warning and stuff like um, 
you know, when when uh, when Nicole's mother was there and uh, kicking up a fuss and everything, like the, the the police chief warned her and stuff. And obviously, in that moment, he protected her, but he also warned her and let her know that you know she needs to chill out and, and not not uh, not make any trouble. So I definitely feel like something's gonna go. Yeah. Although I was just gonna say, didn't her own daddy say leave it alone? Yeah, even her. Yeah, own, her he said brother. that too. Yep. Mm. And then she's still a rookie, so she's making easy mistakes. I don't know how long it is until you're no longer a rookie, but she acting very rookieish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I agree. Yeah. So, just one more question, um, and this one's kind of for fun. Dana already kind of answered, actually. But um, you know, I'll, I'll have her expand on 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 it again on her answer. But um, so the question is: Should Raquel have killed Symphony? Um, <laughs> should, should, is he somebody that should go? Because I mean, his actions in this in this show, like it seems like he uh, he respects Raquel enough to not say anything, even if he knows something. But he, as long as he's out there, he's still a loose end, I guess. So you know, he's still. He's always going to be a target forever. So, um, and he's always going to be a risk. So, should she have killed him? You know, obviously we know she, why she didn't because she made a mistake with Scrappy, and that was kind of haunting her. But should she have? Um, and uh, I'm gonna go to you first, Richard, and then I'll have Dana expand on on this after. Uh, I do believe that she should have. I mean, she killed D Wiz. You killed Scrappy, so why don't you go three for three and just kill Symphony as well? You, you might as well do it now. But uh, I think that hesitation, it made sense why she hesitated to do that. But I kind of feel like Symphony probably still going to get taken out at some point. And if, like I said, if it's Howard that does it, uh, that that made that's going definitely that's definitely going to annoy her to an extent. But uh, I, you know, I like Symphony as a character. I'm glad that he got a job. But if there's one thing that we know about these shows, there's not really a happy ending for certain characters. This is a character that hasn't really done anything to warrant getting killed. But obviously, there has to be an innocent. As Dana always says, there must be an innocent that has to get killed. So I could definitely see him getting killed. And D-Wiz, I don't count because he killed the other guy. So it made sense for him to get killed in season one. But for Symphony, yeah, I think that would make sense for it to happen, and it's going to be very tragic, but I think it is going to happen. So I, I, I say, yeah, he probably should get killed. Ouch. Poor guy. Poor Symphony. Um, I, how about you, Dana? You, you kind of said it earlier, but like what's... I said what's... it earlier. I pulled it up. The book of Courtney Kemp. When she stated last year, when asked about why Zeke, remember Zeke and that whole situation with Book Power 2? They said the reason why she killed Dolph Zink because because he was an innocent, like Raina and Sean. I'm at a son. And she said, quote, between episodes eight and ten, we kill off an innocent. And I was like, oh, he's going to die. But then I realized we're too early into the season for him to die. We have one to what three more episodes of him dying. So between eight and ten, he's an innocent. People love him. Raquel, I believe, genuinely does love him, which is why she did not kill him. And that is why he has to die. On top of that, I want to go back to the last quote. See, I have notes and everything. Um, the last quote was, 
about trouble always going to catch up with you. And when it does, you won't even see that at first because it sneaks up on you when you're not looking. By the time you see it, it's too late already. And I feel that it's not going to be Raquel. It may be Howard who says, oh, you didn't clean up that loose end. Let me do that for you. And then maybe that'll escalate the Howard Raquel feud and bring it more closer to home because she genuinely loves Symphony, even though she may understand why he has to die and why Howard did it. He still has to die. And he is that innocent. It's not going to be Corinne or her mama because her mama sure ain't innocent. Trifling. But let me just make one quick comment. Dana, you made the comment earlier about, uh, you know, Kanan always you know, his mom is always talking about Raquel's like, oh, I got to get you a glass of milk before bed. Well, we know that Palomar got her, her glass of milk or rather her quart of milk in this episode. So, yeah, it, it worked salt. out pretty well. It was That's a another parallel. Assault. <laughs> assault. Oh, yeah, she got that milk, all right. Um, but, yeah, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, ta- yeah I'm, I'm talking about the milk that Corinne threw at her, by the way. Yeah, we we all know the milk and the milking. Yeah, that's the milk I'm talking about, too. Yeah, um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, as far as Symphony and and that that was a great callback, Dana, to uh, Courtney Kemp's statement, and and I agree that usually is the case and everything. Um, but I will say, Symphony was on some level complicit to what's been going on because he even he even drove uh you know Canaan away and everything. So he's he's somewhat he's innocent but he was complicit. No. Now I, I'm only saying that to say this, right? I think I, I think the innocent killing is going to be someone else. Oh um, so oh well Canaan well, don't have no 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 brothers and sisters. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying, uh, by the way, I'm not saying that Symphony might not die. He, he, he probably will still die, in my opinion. But I think the actual innocent killing is going to be someone else. What the heck is innocent? Well, that's interesting. Well, well, well so there, last there's, season. There's one character who doesn't know anything about anything, and she is vulnerable right now. Oh, was it she? Wait, wait, wait. You're talking about Renee. Renee, yep. right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, no, Renee. no, it's not yeah. Renee. No, you know why it's not Renee? We don't care about Renee. Well, we don't care about Renee, but Marvin cares about Renee. And yeah, now exactly. that Marvin is in a whole mess of a situation, who's to say that they can't try to come after and kill him and kill her instead? But would that be an innocence? Oh, oh, oh. But yeah. then that would be a callback to um, Tommy and the soup girl. Oh, uh, not uh, Lakeisha, right? Not no, uh, the soup, the, the one who was making the soups, who liked the soups and the we were souping. Yeah, I've oh yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah, force, force. Yeah. Oh, you know, it wasn't good when Mister No Everything can't remember Gloria. her name either. Gloria, Gloria. that yeah, was your girl. Gloria. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that 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 was Vic's girl that that she got killed with with, with Vic. So yeah, that's possible. So you see the parallel between those two? I don't know if I see that. I'm the one who brought it up, and I'm like, I don't see it. But I, 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 I just, I just think it's because he obviously he has a bond with her now because he went through the whole anger management and it's kind of mm-hmm. changed him a little bit. So he has a connection to her now. So it's like so, yeah. he has a, he has a connection, and because he is free and clear of the program, and you would think, oh, so he, everything is fine. His record is going to be fine. 
Now she ends up dead. He's he's anywhere near that scene scene of the crime when that happens. This again, it's going to make him look bad. So that is that makes a lot of sense. Or but I hope that doesn't happen. Go ahead. Or that could be the anger that fuels him in that, order to go. help Lulu and Raquel's situation. Even though Raquel really does not deserve any help, but it could be to to fuel that. Mm-hmm. But then, would that killing technically that killing would be justified and not necessarily an innocent? So what if they kill if they what if they kill Renee? If you look at it this way, as an outsider percep, percep, per, person in, and or we need the old Marvin back for certain situations, especially coming yep. with Lulu and what's to come with the other people. In order for that to be triggered, um, the girl Renee has to die. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But we don't have that innocent attachment to her because we just know her every couple of episodes and, you know, Marvin's happy because he's able to not be angry anymore. Mm-hmm. Does she really yeah. have that innocent connection with the fans? Cause to me, it would be more like symphony because we've been with symphony since the first season we've grown yeah. with symphony as opposed to Renee. We just literally met all because Marvin can't stop yelling and screaming at people. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if it's going to be her. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Like from a, a, a writing and a viewer and an entertainment perspective, that would be, you know, a good killing to see because then you see the anger come come back out in Marvin, you know, even after he's gone through the whole program and stuff, like you'll see it unleashed. So from a, yeah, from a writing perspective, it's, it's great. But um, I mean, I, I actually like the character also, but, um, you know, but I mean, if you're talking about, would that be the most impactful killing? No, it probably wouldn't because, like you said, there's there's other characters that uh, have had more screen time and more to do with the story. Um, but, but yeah, but excellent points. I uh, definitely want the people to, to let us know what they think about that. Um, but that is all the questions uh, that I have uh, this week. Uh, great points all around. So, um, uh, Rich, have you got any final thoughts or shout outs uh, real quick before we end off? Yeah. I, so I want to say again, yeah, this was an outstanding episode of Razor Canaan. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what happens in the next three episodes. I do also uh, want to give a shout out to everybody that joined us for the live show again. That, that was a really fun experience. And we are definitely going to do one again at the end of the season. So we will let you all know when that happens. But uh Definitely glad to see all of you interact, and we had a really fun time, so definitely stay tuned for that again. And uh, definitely looking forward to hearing what you all thought about this episode, for sure. So make sure you leave a comment, let us know your thoughts. And you can even answer the question of what Gary said of who you think is going to to get killed, because clearly more people are going to get killed before the season's over, you know. So, But we'll see how that goes. (laughs) Oh, yeah, definitely. Somebody's got to go. The streets need a body. So <laughs> there you go. But um, Dana, um, any any uh, final thoughts or shout outs? We didn't talk about Unique and his unique situation, which is oh, really yeah, interesting bring up, bring um, in terms of how he and um, Warrell are working together. See, I don't know exactly which side Warrell is and where he's playing. That's also really good as well. But Unique wants to branch out where he isn't involved in any connections with anyone. 
And so I think that that is also a really smart move. And because no one's paying attention to new, to unique, that is the best time to start rebuilding and building up something. So I, I look forward to how he's going to handle that whole situation, but um, I'm happy that he brought him back and that Burrell is over with him in New Jersey. And he has a connection again, what we know with the mob family and the fact that he's dead, they're going to, I hope they bring them in, you know, much larger into the fold. Maybe they'll end up hiring unique to kill somebody. I don't know, but this seems to be like a very, this is very interesting because he's been quiet and laid low, but we see that he knows people and he's building things and associating. So I don't think he's going anywhere. And he'll be back for hopefully more seasons to come. And that also goes in with the ripple effect. You never killed Unique. Now look. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Unique has very much been in the background these past uh, couple episodes. Well, sort of in the background these past couple episodes. But. Um, I definitely think he's going to be like a big factor later on. Like he's gonna, uh, he's gonna be very yeah. important um, in these next few episodes. Um, but yeah, I, I'm interested to see uh, where he'll stand on some of these issues that that have come out of this episode. <laughs> uh, did, uh, did you have anything to add to that, Rich? Yeah, I, I just want to say, uh, yeah, I'm glad that Dana did mention Unique. Uh, I, I definitely think we spoke about this last week that uh, you are definitely going to see him eventually have to kill Worrell. It kind of feels like it is going to that point because it's just a matter of how it's going to get to that point. You did see, as Dana mentioned, they had the conversation in, in this episode and that lets you know that Worrell is still trying to do the job correctly, but uh, it's going to be some issues, but I, I don't think he's going to rat out his boy. So I want to see how that's going to progress. But yeah, Unique definitely has an advantage now in terms of how much information he knows about what really happened with uh, Sal's son. So Marvin better watch his back. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, he better watch watch his back. Um, and I I do think um, Worrell is 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 definitely one of the characters that I don't think he's going to make out of this season at all. Like so. Um, <laughs> so yeah, Mm-mm. we just don't know who's gonna kill him. That's the only thing, yeah. That's the only thing. Um, I, I, I do think it would be good if it was unique, though. That would be interesting. But. So, so can I can I ask one last question? This is a real brief question. So, to go along with this theory of you said the people that are going to get killed, so if famous gets killed, is famous still considered innocent at this point? Because he knows about what Kanan is doing, all this other stuff. So is is he still considered an innocent? But, in this but, he's not completely. He's not completely innocent, but he's he's, he's stupid. He's not an innocent. <laughs> yeah, well, I think that situation with famous is going to be another issue that Lulu has to deal with because he's already told him, "Oh yeah, I'll get you studio time if you put in the work." Now that uh, he has a. Uh, Cartier right there. This is that's why I say it. it's a lot of things they can do with this storyline. I can't wait to see what, what happens next. This is where I get my pookie scene with the crack pipe. And let me explain. <laughs> so Lulu made all these promises to Famous. Famous is he's busy. We don't even see him this season, this episode because he's busy writing his little rhymes and being a rapper and putting things in his little head. But then mm-hmm. Cartier comes in and is like, I don't want to work with him at all. Get rid of him. 
And that's when the whole heartbreak happens. And then he's doing crack in the back alley. So I get my pokey scene. That makes sense. That he makes could be, sense. he could be the innocent, but I don't, the way that we're at right now, because we're only at, we're at seven and there's, I think it's 10 this season. Yeah. Um, it just might be too early. Maybe mm-hmm. next season, it feels like. If we're going with the eight with the with the eight through ten innocent rule, it might be a little too early in terms of how he is developed. Because what exactly would you kill him for right now? He's just been stupid this whole season. And what exactly are you retaliating against Kanan for? I don't know. It wouldn't be killing famous wouldn't be a retaliation against Howard. And Kanan hasn't done anything yet to have retaliation against him. So what? Unless Cartier is upset that Lulu signed him and then he just kills him. That really doesn't make much sense. It's way too aggressive too early. Mm-hmm. Which is why I, I still to... think that it's Tiffany. Yeah, well, that, that makes sense to me. That makes sense to me. We have to see which uh, which path they go down, but yeah, I, that makes a lot of sense to me. So we'll find out soon enough. Mm-hmm. For sure. Uh, like I said, can't wait for that for that next trailer because that's going to be something. Um, and and the next episode, but but yeah, um, I just I just want to shout out some of the people. You know, uh, some of these people were involved in our stream last week. So big shouts to uh, Inga71 and also um, uh, Rainy J. And also big shouts to uh, Jeremiah Lutumba. He has some great comments. You know, he's got some good theories and stuff like that. Shouts to Kwame, uh, Esther Negron, Jacob Wright, and Blaine Truth. Um, You know, big shouts to... So all the people who interact with us on on a regular basis and everything like that, um, and yeah, go ahead, Rich. And yeah, let's also give a happy birthday to Inga seventy one. I know she told us her birthday is like I think it's right the same weekend as this episode is airing. So, yes. yeah, big happy birthday to you. Yeah, but yeah, but that is it for now. We will be back next week. Um, until then, everyone have a great week. Look after yourself. And we'll see you then. To we'll, we'll see you after episode eight. Yes. So, peace out. Peace.